0: Thank you for listening to the Way Up North podcast. My name is Cole Roberts. And on today's episode, it's a bit of a strange one because I'm having a conversation with Erin Bishop. Uh, It's a little bit strange because I know her quite well, and she's been the fairy godmother of Way Up North events uh, since day one. So in this conversation, we spoke for about 35 minutes or so, and... I guess my goal was just for people who are listening to know her background a little bit better because a lot of people see her running around at the events and know that she's someone but maybe don't know who that someone is. So enjoy the conversation with Aaron and ciao for now. So I think it would make sense if I tried to interview you, but... I don't really know how to do that because it's like interviewing my sister. That's what I, that's what I said to
1: <laughs> the trees this morning. That's funny. Um, it's snowing here right now.
0: Oh, how majestic.
1: I know. It's like, it's like a true winter. Is it snowy there?
0: It's super snowy. Although when you get here, it might be less snowy. But it's been, it's been like a snow chaos bomb going off here. It's been crazy.
1: What's what's super snowy and sweet in Sweden terms? Uh,
0: if I threw my child into the powder, she would disappear.
1: <laughs> wow, amazing! But yeah. you're not. A, but you're not in Stockholm.
0: Are you trying to interview me?
1: No, is I'm that what you saw? you just try to flip this around? <laughs> I just fell into my role. What can I say? So, whereabouts are you from?
0: <laughs> I'm north of Stockholm, though.
1: I know like, you're in Yevla, but ninety minutes it's... north. Does that mean and it's it, less snowy in Stockholm? Because really, what I'm thinking about is what footwear I should pack. That's what I'm Muck getting Lux. at. Yes, that's correct. I wear them in Rome. I wear them in Stockholm.
0: All right, th- let's pretend that that was our start, and we'll talk about your mucklucks because you run around the event and all, at all the events, and you're wearing your mucklucks, and people I see who you that. are. Yes, but like you're you're a bit of a mystery, maybe to, to some people. So who the, who are you, Aaron Bishop?
1: give who us give
0: I? us the give us the uh I don't know the one minute why should people care who you are?
1: That's a deep question. Who am I? um I'm an event planner, mainly wedding planner, based in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, I think that that I'm sort of known for working a little off the beaten path.
0: But you're a lot more than just an event planner.
1: <laughs> That's true. You want like you want like beyond that? Okay. Well, well here
0: you know what I would like actually? Because I, mm-hmm. I feel like I know you pretty well. So this is not necessarily for me asking, but it's it's for the peeps who might be listening. Your background in music is pretty interesting. And I think it kind of just gets skimmed over because
1: <laughs> it's true. Like you're
0: singing with this crazy band and you, like you've been in the game for a while and you were doing Lilith Fair tours. Like you were doing, you've been doing a lot of things and you have side one as well. So why don't you like dive into that? Because I don't think people realize how how deep? Uh, what, how, how many layers say, there wow. are to
1: this onion <laughs> exactly i <laughs> have oh, many layers many layers um it's true when i was when i was younger i was a singer and um i sang in sort of a hard to describe band it was kind of like a choir but not like in pitch perfect but more world music y, but sort of like pitch perfect. I don't know. Anyways uh, back, how old
0: were you and where was that happening? I
1: started I started that in when I was seventeen in Vancouver with eight other women and then a band of like instrument playing people. And we worked together for about ten years. And in that time I sort of learned on my own, you know, how to sort of manage music Career, for lack of a better word, like putting on shows and promoting and stuff like that, and that led me to think maybe this would be like a good job for me. And uh, I ended up going back to school a second time. The first time I was just there taking a general arts degree in philosophy, and then I went back for entertainment management. And then I ended up working for a record label. And then also was that, my was that got you, uh, signed to that label.
0: I, I cut you off a little bit. What was that at University of British You're Columbia?
1: You're such a monster. Um, yeah, I know, I know. The entertainment management program was at Capilano University in Vancouver.
0: I wonder if we went to school together at the same time because I went there too. Where did you go to Cap? Yeah.
1: What years were you there?
0: Uh, I believe it was 2001 to 2005.
1: Oh man I, I was there I was there in 2001 in my first two years of my philosophy degree there so were a lot, of, a lot of I,
0: a lot of nights i don't remember so maybe our paths did cross but this is not about seeing,
1: me do you remember seeing like a striking brunette and you're like oh who's that young thing
0: oh only in my dreams Aaron. <laughs> but, but back to you back to the music because it is interesting and so if you traveled and you were in this world music a world music band by the way sounds so vancouver I'm just Does picturing it? like I mean, bongo it drums. Like,
1: yeah, it's not that. It's not that. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Really, it's more more like a choir than anything else, but just not a traditional like like I don't know super uptight choir.
0: So we'll go with choir. And were you only singing in the band at that time, or were you it, it, were you kind of like more than just a singer? And I, I kind of asked that because like you kind of you're like a go getter. You're super charismatic. Yeah, and I mean, I don't I don't see you taking a I don't see you taking a backseat and just singing yeah. songs.
1: It's true. It was I was definitely like I sang, but I also just ran the entire situation. And we called ourselves like a democracy publicly, but that's not what it was behind closed doors because I can't help myself. I have to like, I have ideas and I just had to run with them and everyone else was just happy to not have to do work. So it was a perfect situation for a long time.
0: (laughs) So, okay. Now I'm going to try and slide in some, uh, who are you questions a little bit because you are very, uh, very much the go-getter and kind of like the leading voice in a room. And that's, that's a confident trait and all that. And it, I think people are kind of a product of their environment growing up a little bit. And so you come out of like your teens as this kind of go-getter, charismatic leader of the pack. Like what kind of family background did you have? Were you around like an entrepreneurial dad who like I don't know instilled this into your Definitely.
1: like one of the things that is like a mantra from my dad is the the phrase own the deal. Which just for him kind of means like never work for anyone else. Like don't be making money for other people, make money for yourself. And he used to say, own the deal. He still says it to me all the time, although now I do own my own deal. So he doesn't have to, you know, drill it as hard. But He always used to say that when I was young, but I never, you know, it's my dad. I never really listened to him. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I said, I I was originally working for a record label and artist management company and kind of in the music world. And I feel like my journey into like starting a business was like not with that in mind, but it just so happens that I, that I ended up that way. And the reason I think that, that I, decided to start a company. And with that, I mean, the event planning company is just because I'm kind of stubborn and a little bit, like you said, the loudest voice in the room. And I didn't want to have to agree with anyone else about how things should be done. I wanted to decide how things should be done, which makes me sound horrible. And you know, I'm not like, I'm not, but I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't really (laughs) probably work with, I don't think I could work with a partner too well because I just, I think I'm right all the time.
0: <laughs> you go, girl
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so, right
0: I think I don't know now you got me now I'm kind of thinking about this a little bit, like I think the I think there's like a uh, a red line or something that connects artists and entrepreneurs in that they like they can what they do is they create something out of nothing out of an idea, so mm-hmm. do you think that like arts for you is something you can go back to because it's just like you're a creator? This is what you do. You create something out of nothing. Or is it all business for you kind of moving forward now?
1: No, I hate business. It's the worst.
0: Really? Why? I hate
1: it. I don't know. It's just not nothing that that you could categorize as business is like something that I enjoy. Any part of business that that I like is also creative. So I uh-huh. like marketing because marketing is you have to be a bit creative with it. But like business processes, accounting, like payroll, all that stuff, it, ugh, it just makes me I don't even like saying those words, but that's just part of it. And I realize like, for now, that's the price that I pay for getting to do things how I want to do them, and I'm willing to make that trade-off, but I hate that stuff: don't, don't we all? <laughs> don't, don't we all? It's <laughs> so true.
0: All right so we're kind of jumping all, around a little bit but you said like in your kind of mid20s ish after your 10 years with the choir you started working with record labels and things like that so yes. why don't you take us through that world this that musical odyssey huh,
1: musical odyssey I mean that was that was an interesting time um there's only there's like one big record label in Vancouver it's not you know it's not New York it's not l a. But it was a big deal to get a job there. I started there as an intern when I was still taking the classes in the program I was in. And then, and then I got offered a job and I actually had to, to full disclosure, I never finished my entertainment management diploma because I had to work a certain number of like volunteer intern hours and I got offered a job. And once I started getting paid, the hours didn't count anymore, but I was I was, kind of like, <laughs> I was like, that's dumb. I can't, like, this is the whole goal of taking this program. Own so the deal, I, like, Aaron. I think I'm going to take the job. Um, anywho, yeah, I, I worked all over the place. Like, I worked in merchandising for a while um, for bands on tour, um, artist management, which sounds, like, fancy and really is not very glamorous. <laughs> that's sort of the, the underlying thing I learned working at a record label is, it sounds fancy, but it's not that glamorous on a day-to-day basis. I worked in like I, I worked in their sort of web division, like with like, you know, a hundred different artists' websites going on and different promos and and then Lilith Fair happened, which is like a big festival of all women um, musicians. Some people might know it over there because it did go over there a I little guess bit. I'm
0: not registered. I guess, yeah. To me, it's just like oh, little fair, but maybe people don't realize just kind of how big it was at that time.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a very large festival, and it happened. It happened in the '90s, and then they brought it back in like '04, five kind of thing for a couple of of big tours, you know, and and you know, big artists as well, but also you know, small stages with emerging artists and. There was an artist who I kind of had my eye on, who I got into, you know, a few of the Lilith Fair dates. And then that sort of led to me getting to go out on Lilith Fair. And by that, I mean, like, go out and join the tour, which was great. And then that sort of led me into other tasks from social media stuff to... Um Coordinating kind of like press conferences and blah 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 so at network, I was all over the map in the realm of like managing the business side of musicians, and it was super fun, but in the end, i sort of I had been doing weddings on the side here and there. What do you
0: mean doing weddings
1: um assi- I started as an assistant with a with a wedding planning company and then eventually had become a planner for that wedding planning company. And so I was I had the odd, you know, wedding planning clients here and there and I just found the experience of planning a wedding and ending up with these clients who are just so happy and they're just like I love you this was the best day of my life oh my god it was amazing versus working with artists who are like notoriously, you know, moody and difficult
0: only blue the- M&Ms
1: Exactly. I, the two, And then like the music world, you know, you're quite underpaid because everyone wants into that industry. So it's very competitive. I just sort of like looked at the two things at a certain point and was like the sparkle of working in the music industry had given way to the reality of, you know, the most aggressive hours and just getting paid nothing for working a ton because it's cool and you get to go backstage at big shows um, so, that I kind well, of wore off, and and then and
0: then I bailed. How did you kind of like get introduced to the the weird and wonderful world of weddings? Because like I don't know, it's not something that Kaplan University recommends you go into. No, and
1: at, at that time too, that was like it was like eleven years ago now or twelve years ago. Um, there wasn't even really courses for it like there is now, but. The way my path into events was I worked at Earl's, which is like a casual chain restaurant um, at, out here in, in Canada. And we were asked to cater an event and the restaurant is not, does not cater. It's not something they'd ever done before. And I was like a, I don't know, some sort of like shift manager at the time. And somehow it came to me and they asked me to sort of arrange the catering of this little event. And I did that. And it was so fun, even though I was only dealing with kind of food and floor plan, I was like, that was so fun. And when it was all said and done, it was like a big adrenaline rush to like make it happen and deliver. And then the end of the night it was all said and done. And I felt like a very great satisfaction (laughs) at the process. And I kind of thought to myself, maybe events is something I want to get into. So I just like cold Googled like how do you become a wedding planner? Like a total dad Google phrase into Google. <laughs> and uh, and a wedding planning company like popped up like a local one. And I emailed them and asked that question. And they said, actually, we're hiring like day of assistance for the season. Why don't you come out to an interview? And, and so for the interview, they asked us to show up with you know, your resume, whatever, but also something a demonstration of your creativity I think is what it said or something something like that an example of your creativity so I showed up with my choir and it was like in a public place it was in a coffee shop that they were having their interviews a
0: video of your choir or no
1: like the actual choir oh (laughs) Jesus I sat down I did my interview and when they're like what did you bring for us I think they were expecting like I don't know some sort of visual art, I guess. And I was like, sure, hold on. And I ran outside, and then I brought the girls in, and then we like sang some songs. Oh my and they god! They were like, that's awesome. Like, You're hired, yeah. So that was how I started working for that wedding planning company. Okay, okay. Hooked.
0: Here's here's where I'm going to like kind of like poke your brain a little bit. That sure. that example right there is kind of kind of like a perfect metaphor for what I think about with with your personality and kind of who you are, like hit it home and like knock it out of the park. Even if it's like one single isolated thing, you'll knock it out mm-hmm. of the park. Like, where does that's, that come from? Nice. How, like, how does how does one hone that skill? Like, where does that come from?
1: <laughs> I don't know where that skill comes from. I think like I've always been like a shock and awe kind of person. I love surprising people and that you know, even as a young child, I loved surprising people and getting a big reaction out of people. So sometimes I'm accused of like too much. Um, but I think that tendency is like innate. I don't think that's, I don't think that's in everyone. Some people just, it would never occur to them to do that. You know, take that example of going to an interview and like bringing the choir rather than a video of the choir or something like that. But, uh,
0: Fair enough. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. I just I don't thought, know if
1: that's, yeah.
0: thought maybe you'd have some words of wisdom for our introvert friends out there.
1: <laughs> I got nothing. If you're not born with it, <laughs> then you're fucked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just
0: All right. Kidding. So, okay. So you did it. You did like um, an internship slash job with a wedding company in Vancouver and you kind of learned the ropes and then philosophy was born. Um, maybe, maybe go, give a rundown of philosophy and, and talk about how you're absolutely dominating dominating the wedding world
1: dominating i mean so i quit the job i had with the wedding planning firm kind of when i was working at the the record label thinking i didn't like it and then after about a year i started to miss weddings and i realized it wasn't that i didn't like weddings i just didn't like that company what were you doing to pay the bills
0: during that downtime
1: um okay, let me get there. Cause I know, you know, the answer and that's why you asked that question. You want to like give me a little bit of semi humiliation, but that's fine. So <laughs> I quit the wedding planning company. I'm working at the record label. I decide to start my own wedding planning company, but as everyone, you know, listening to this, that works in weddings knows you don't just start a plan, a company in the wedding industry and then start getting paid. Like weddings happen a long time from now <laughs> when you book one, it's later. So um, I realized I had to quit my job at the record label in order to actually have enough time to really effectively start a new business, but I did have to pay the rent. And what I did, actually, I don't know if you know this whole story. The first thing I did was I became a nanny four days a week, um, to two one-year-olds. So two good friends who both had one-year-olds who were going back to work, wanted to do like share a nanny. And so I would, I was the nanny and I lasted I think maybe 30 days of that and then was like, this is not for me because I kind of thought it would be easier than it was. And I thought like I would be able to put the kids down for a nap at a certain time and then like answer some emails. Like no, kids do not nap when they're supposed to and they don't nap at the same time. And they're exhausting. So when I got home at the end of being a nanny, I thought I would like, I just died on the couch. Like I didn't have energy. So everyone out there who has kids and runs a business, like those people are like gods to me. I don't know how that happens. But what I did do is I canned that. I got out of that. And then (laughs) I became a dog walker instead. And I did that three days a week just to pay the rent because, you know, I had this sort of gap year of when I started booking clients until I was actually doing weddings and getting paid. So, um, yeah, I spent a year as a dog walker and now like eight, nine years later, I still think of that as probably one of the best times of my life (laughs) because, (laughs) because, you know, I would go pick up a car from the dog walking company drive around, pick up five dogs from like super fancy houses in, in this rich neighborhood, and then walk with them for an hour in the forest, um, at Pacific Spirit Park, which is this beautiful forest, um, near Vancouver, and then drop them all off. And it was just like amazing because it's definitely was a job that, you know, when you're done, you're done and you, you can leave it there. You don't have to take any work home. And it was very relaxing and chilling, and like chill. And then I would get home and be like primed to to work on creating my business and dealing with my clients.
0: So there's a we could peel the layers of the onion (laughs) a little bit more. (laughs) Now I understand where your feelings on babies comes from and why you paint dogs now because you can't walk them. So it all it's all (laughs) coming it's all coming together because you do paint right. Mm -hmm. You're you're a painter and you do calligraphy. What other uh, what? Why don't you actually why don't you just talk about that a little bit?
1: I mean, I learned calligraphy sort of for a practical reason, which was I wanted to be able to like bang out some place cards if I was missing some at a wedding or if there was a misspelling or something. <laughs> because calligraphy is like, or at least was, kind of is all the rage for a day of stationery out here. So I learned that for that reason and just found it kind of fun. And then with the painting, I just went to, I took my mom to a watercolor floral workshop for Mother's Day a few few years ago, and they send you home after with all this paper and paint. So when I got home, I didn't really want to practice like painting flowers because I I was thinking, you know, I deal with flowers all day, every day. I don't want to paint flowers. And so I started painting animals just to kind of practice a little bit and kind of use up the supplies I had left. And then, of course, I painted my own dog because I'm obsessed with her and I put a picked that picture on Facebook, and someone else asked me to paint their dog and it just kind of went from there as soon as I would paint a dog, I would post a picture of it, and then a bunch of other people would want it and then i and then I was like, "Maybe I can charge for this, and I started charging a little, and then I crept it up and up and up, and now I'm like obscenely expensive, but I still paint dogs Jesus <laughs>
0: the, the layers
1: of error. The layers, the dogs. And I, and like, um, I had to start a separate Instagram account for the dog paintings because there was so many.
0: So, okay. That's a good segue. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but you're slightly obsessed with Instagram. It seems like you have many accounts. I
1: love love it. I love it. I mean, I'm not one of these people who has like, I think I have like 9,000 followers on Instagram on my philosophy account. So, you know, photographers get so many followers because like everything they post is beautiful. But I do love Instagram and I have like seven different Instagram accounts.
0: Do you love Instagram because it helps with your business? Or do you just like it as like, ah, it's there, it, it passes the time?
1: I like it on so many levels. It definitely, as I started to see how much it was helping my business, I started to respect it more as, you know, a marketing tool and not just a a fun pastime, like solitaire or something on my phone, you know, that I would do when I was bored. Because so many clients started saying, you know, when I asked how did you come across us, they would say from Instagram. Um, so then I started to take it a little more seriously, at least for my work account.
0: Do you live in the hood there or what? It sounds like food.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I got some sirens. I feel like the podcast listeners are used to that because... They're, they're <laughs> there's been a couple they hear sirens and they hear my dog um, yeah so I do I do think it's I do think it's essential for business you know in the age group of, of brides and grooms like everybody uses Instagram so it's, it's key but I also think it's fun it's fun to try to like come up with an interesting post it's made me like a better iPhone photographer <laughs> quite good now and and it's fun to come up with an interesting caption
0: fair enough Fair enough. I don't know. You'd love it.
1: It's just, I do. I just, I just think it's fun. I don't know. There's no other way to put it. And I don't follow any of the rules. Like you always are like, you should just only post like, like professional photos on your philosophy Instagram. It will make all the world of difference. And I know that you're right, but I can't help it because I want to throw like a picture of my dog in and I want to post a picture of a wedding that I'm at while I'm at it, I'm too impatient to wait for the professional photos. And I post like 10 photos at like 2 a.m. after a wedding instead of like one or two photos a day at like, I don't know, 3 p.m. or whatever is the optimal time. I just, I I can't get into that. I sort of see Instagram as like something that I, that I enjoy and I want it to stay that way, which means I'm just going to use it when I feel like it. It's not really about like reach. And being or engagement. Perfect,
0: yeah. yeah. All right. So we're, we're like twenty five minutes in, and uh, I, feel, I, I, I feel like if there was like a goal with these podcasts, it would be for people to know the presenters, i.e., you, a bit better. Although, yeah. if you listen to the podcast, they'll pick up <laughs> who you are from you as the host. Okay, so but now, okay, we know who you are, and we get who you are. Uh, but moving forward, like you work with a lot of photographers and artists in general, and mm-hmm. especially photographers, they they should view planners as sort of like the gateway to referrals and the gateway to longevity and and in terms of networking planners and photographers should you know should work together not not against one another or on different teams so in your experience and uh speaking to up-and-coming photographers out there who want to like have a quick rise what what do you recommend they do to proactively develop that relationship with planners so that they move themselves forward and you can have that you can answer that in one minute
1: yeah i mean i'm gonna answer that totally in my talk i know, I one know, thing. I know. it's so a like, segue below it i think that the key the key is to to realize that um planners are on the same team as you and they're really hard to romance because there's so fucking many of you and by you i mean photographers but but if you approach a planner with the mindset that, that you guys are on the same team and you're respectful of what they have to do and what their goals are, I mean, they're going to remember that. Um, I'll definitely talk a little bit about like how to get on a planner's radar and stuff like that when we're talking. But the real key is just the attitude. If I work with a photographer who has the attitude that what their goals are, what they're there to do is the most important thing, I probably will never want to work with them again. And I don't think that what I'm doing and what my goals are are the most important thing, but I think that us as a collective have to be and by that, I mean vendors as a collective have to be aware of the big picture all the time. right on and yeah photographers who do that are the ones that I want to keep around
0: well this this podcast will will drop before the Stockholm event next week, so Maybe if anyone listens to this, they'll hear that and then they'll want to hear more because I know that you're going to talk a lot about these things. Uh, oh, yeah. So just to wind things up, wind things up or wind things down?
1: We haven't we talked down. about my dog yet. Like, that's yeah, the only yeah. thing brushed, about me that really matters. We brushed matters. over
0: that. We brushed over that. <laughs> <laughs> you painted the dog. Okay. So I you,
1: did, I did paint the dog. The
0: last, last thing, okay, you can go, you can like tie this into your dog if, if you can. But
1: I'll find a way. What
0: I wanted to ask you is you've been to every event way up north yes. event, um, behind the scenes and you know, you've, you've experienced it all. What's the one memory that you have from all the events that maybe people don't know about that's kind of stuck with you as the highlight for yourself personally, maybe.
1: Oh, that's a really interesting question. I mean, the way that I experience way up north is so different from everybody else <laughs> because they're sitting there watching and I'm, usually in the hall outside, just like working on the next bit. But I think that, I think that for me, it's been super special to be in the hallway, you know, back, backstage for lack of a better term and seeing the transition in the presenters between before they go on, some of them are super stoic and focused. Others are just freaking right the fuck out because they're nervous and then watching them walk off and come back to the space where I'm waiting for them and they're just elated. I think that there's something about sharing your knowledge in whatever way, whether it's a really practical talk or it's a really inspirational talk that really like feeds the souls of people. And so I've liked seeing... There's there's specific people for sure, but there's been so many. I like seeing what speaking to a room full of interested people does for a human you know it's really it's a really fulfilling thing for people for the speakers and that's sort of an interesting thing to observe in the back interesting
0: and I guess maybe maybe you maybe you felt that way when you were doing the music thing as well maybe you saw musicians freaking the fuck out before they went on stage and maybe there's some, maybe <laughs> there's some parallels there
1: Yeah, and just the giving of of a person to a crowd is an interesting thing to watch. I
0: thought you, I thought you maybe would have something like super specific, like someone threw up all over your shoes or something. But
1: you know what? What happens backstage stays backstage. (laughs) Okay, I'm respectful of that in a big way because shit goes down. All right, back there. (laughs) So
0: you didn't you didn't tie that into your dog. So finally. To end this, oh, tell us everything dog. about your dog. And apparently Lindsay Adler is a dog person too. So maybe Ooh,
1: we're going to be bad. Speak to the dog. people. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of dog people, but let me tell you, I'll put, I'll put it in a business way. I have a three-legged dog. She's beautiful. You can find her on Instagram at street dog Fran, because her name is Francis. <laughs> and, uh, she, I drop her into my Instagram now and then, and our clientele over the last five years, has totally changed fully to dog people, which is totally good with me because dog people are good people. But I do love her because I'm single. I'm just saying that in a very self-serving way. And I have two cats and a dog and they're my family and I love my dog. But honestly, if you are an animal person, like make it known because the animal people stick together. Well, though so clients will come to you. I,
0: I'm, I'm very lucky to have worked with, with Jakob for a long time now. And uh, what people might not know is that he's absolutely obsessed with cats. He loves cats. He has pictures of cats all around his house. He has cat coasters. (laughs) He has cat t shirts. And he has a cat named Kurt. He loves cats more than I know how. And
1: he's Uh, a real. And doesn't Kurt have his own Instagram? Or is that just Jacob's Instagram, but it's full of Kurt?
0: (laughs) Exactly. He just is obsessed with (laughs) Kurt the cat. So maybe this is what. Maybe this is what's been missing in Jakob and Mai's business relationship—is he needs to really pump out that cat.
1: If you threw a Kurt pic onto Nordica's Instagram feed, like I would die of joy, and it would be your most liked photo of all time. I feel like that's a challenge that that I'm gonna willing to throw down.
0: (laughs) Well, I know cats and Jakob just go hand in hand, so maybe this is our destiny. All right, (laughs) so if any male or whatever suitors out there have listened to this uh they now know you're single they now know the yes. layers of the onion and uh <laughs> i'm sure that you won't be able to leave stockholm next week once you get here because people won't want you to leave
1: Ah, i hope that's true but i have to come home because my dog
0: all right, go to your, go back to your dog
1: <laughs> all right i'll talk to you later farewell aaron bishop bye call